State of the Industry Podcast. This episode is brought to you by KP Movement Education, your source for health and movement education and coaching. Whether you are a health or fitness professional, a fitness consumer, or perhaps a passive bystander, KP believes that everyone deserves the right to pain-free movement. That's why their memberships and services are designed to educate, empower, and inspire you to create a culture of movement for yourself and those around you. With two membership options, you'll find education surrounding developing at-home training programs for yourself or for others, mental health and exercise, lifestyle medicine, and much, much more. Check it out at kineticperformance.ca backslash memberships. That's kineticperformance.ca backslash memberships. Welcome back to the State of the Industry podcast. I am your host, Adam Youngsma. This week, we continue with our conversation with the one and only Jim Laval. For those of you who don't know Jim, Jim is an internationally recognized clinical pharmacist. He's authored over 20 books. He is a board-certified clinical nutritionist and an expert and educator in integrative and precision health. He has worked with athletes from Olympians, all four major North American sports, NCAA collegiate athletes, and he has even been selected to be the Integrative Medicine Program Director for the NFL Hall of Fame Health and Performance Program. As a practitioner, he serves thousands of patients using his metabolic model for health through his integrative health practice, Laval Metabolics, in Orange County, California. Within this episode, we dive in a little bit deeper to what we discussed in part number one, and we start to speak about the neurotransmitter depletion that occurs over time from things like poor nutrition, poor sleep, and poor movement quality and quantity. Within this episode, Jim provides some valuable steps that we can take with nutrition and movement and sleep in order to regain those neurotransmitter stores and achieve optimal performance once again. If you haven't listened to part number one, I highly suggest you go back and listen to that first as that lays the foundation for what we speak about here. If you've already listened to it, I will see you on the other side. So I'd like to welcome Jim Laval back to the State of the Industry podcast. Thank you for joining me again today. Awesome. Great to be here. And this is a rare occasion that we get to do a three-part so close together. Wow. Never actually done a three. It's always just been ones or twos. So um, you're a first for me. So it's fantastic. I hope I I have enough information, man. I hope I don't run out of gas on you. How many books have you written again? Was it uh, 16 ebooks, 20? Yeah, 22. I think you have got a, now, uh, 20 ebooks. I've published four more ebooks this year. So, yeah. yeah. So, four I think there's a basis. I think we're safe. Yeah. I think your brain's <laughs> got a big database. So, I think we're okay there. <laughs> so, I wanted to actually pick up where we ended in our part number one sure. and talk a little bit about some of the lifestyle choices, because we talked about metabolic markers in the blood that we want to be tracking, but maybe because you are kind of a preventative doctor, you're looking more kind of integrated medicine. So we're looking at how can we 
maybe prevent some of these depletions of things like magnesium or B12 or ferritin, those types of things um, from the lifestyle choices that we're making. So making better lifestyle choices with regards to training or even just what we're doing in our free time, as well as from a nutrition standpoint as well, things that maybe uh, people are eating that they shouldn't be and some maybe some warning signs of that and then things that maybe they should be eating that they're not. So yeah. I think that that would be a good extension of everything that we talked about in part number one. So I'll let you um, take the floor. We'll get rolling. Yeah. But I mean, obviously we're not going to run, sh- we're, we're not going to run short on our topic time. That's for sure. Because you no, just, won't. you just really defined why most people fail when they, when they're exercising and they're not getting results, because honestly, it's how you live your lifestyle and the choices you make to recover that really makes the difference on the gains you're going to get when you're training. So, so I'm going to break this down into a couple of areas. I mean, you know, the nutrition area is an obvious one, but, but, but I'm just going to tease a little bit where, you know, a lot of people think of, you can't get low iron too easily, but you know, really if you're training more than an hour a day, five days a week, which a lot of people train an hour and a half, they're mixing aerobics, high intensity, maybe they're doing CrossFit, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm agnostic to however somebody wants to train. Mm-hmm. The bottom, other than I think you can overtrain. So I, I do have my opinions there. But the bottom line is, is the longer you train, the more you deplete your iron because you're breaking down red blood cells that have been used. And so I, I can normally, I can find even males that are borderline anemic uh, because they're not getting enough iron now that if they're eating plenty of red meat, that's different, but we'll kind of go into diet in a little bit. Cause it's not just as simple as just eat red meat, right? There's, yeah. there's, there's really some nuances to that that are important. Now let's get into lifestyle. So probably a number one, it's real simple. You need to learn how to get a good night's sleep. And anybody thinks that they can cheat sleep as it, and it's like a badge of honor or, Hey man, I get by on five hours sleep. You do today, eventually it's going to crush your nervous system if you keep doing that. So adequate sleep is important. Now, a lot of people have trouble either getting asleep or staying asleep. So you have to understand that like if you're using a wearable, like you know, if you're using like a Whoop or an Aura or you're using a Fitbit, I don't care whatever device you're using right now. There's some next gen stuff that's really cool coming out here mm-hmm. shortly. But if you're noticing that your REM sleep is tiny, and your deep sleep is tiny, well, then you got to go back to your lifestyle. And, and, and so what I find a lot of times is that people are drinking alcohol at night, like at eight o'clock, they're having their second glass of wine, they're going to bed at 1030. And how many times have you heard this? Well, it helps me to settle down. Mm-hmm. But everybody knows that alcohol causes problems with the disturbed sleep uh, pattern. I mean, yeah. it just happens in some people more than others. So first of all, uh, if you are going to assess your sleep, hey, you don't need a wearable device to know if you're having trouble sleeping. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, oh, wow, I'm awake, you know. Uh, and, and then so alcohol is one of the issues. And I'm not a, you know, like, I'm not, oh, no, never have alcohol. I, I have a cocktail. I mean, I, I, I like alcohol. It's OK, but not to excess. Really shouldn't be every night. And you have to really, you have to look at it as to how it affects your sleep pattern mm-hmm. and how late could you have that last cocktail if you're having more than one, which I would recommend trying to stay at one or less during the week uh, anyway. So you got to look at that. 
And I know it's tough on Canadians, man. You guys you have those wonderful microbreweries up there. I mean, you know, uh, we, we are you know, blessed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know, I know. So I, I, but, but the point is the next thing is, well, what kind of food did I eat and how late did I eat? Because there is some, there is a good notion of time restricted eating, meaning that your body's supposed to take in food during the day. And after about 7 p.m. at night, you really shouldn't be eating because that's when your body's actually in a repair mode and not in a mode of taking in food to diet, to, to utilize it. Yeah. So in the circadian rhythm of our chemistry, um, it makes sense to look at nutrient timing and, uh, and looking at, well, okay, how am I going to eat? When am I going to eat? Now, I break that rule a little bit when I've got like an over 50-year-old who's sarcopenic. So if I've got over 50 year olds where they're losing bone, taking away, taking like a protein drink at night before they go to bed really reduces their tendency to be catabolic, mm -hmm. but I won't make it, I'll make it protein only, or I'll make it like uh, amino acids only. Yeah. So I'm not really loading like a, a food volume into them. Mm -hmm. So, so, so the first lifestyle choices are how do I get a good night's sleep? Is the food that I'm eating and how late I'm eating affecting me? I'm eating gluten. I'm gluten intolerant. It, it gives my brain a buzz. And now I can't go to sleep at night. Yeah. Right. Because there's people that, you know, react to food and then before they, re they release histamine and their brain's alert. So there's food and alcohol and then timing related to your sleep and then mm -hmm. getting enough sleep. The evidence is clear. Seven hours is the marker. If you're sleeping five hours a night, you're nine times more likely to get a cold or flu bug. It's been shown you know, are you somebody in the, in the weird end of the bell curve that you can get by on four hours sleep? Maybe. Yeah. Could be manic too. Not me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You yeah. can't just be jacked up and, you, and you're not, you're not realizing that you're jacked up. Yeah. And so it's important to understand that in general sleep is a disorder of hyperarousal. So one of the biggest things you can do, once again, feeding back into your lifestyle is evaluate your day, evaluate how your day goes. If you're in tough, if you're in a relationship and maybe it's going rocky right now and it's really you know upsetting you and you're perseverating, thinking about it all night, you got to think of ways to get over that so that you not get over the relationship. You're going to have to go probably through counseling and talk through it and all that good stuff you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. All I'm saying is, you have to identify that your brain is hyper aroused due to work stress, family stress, self-induced stress, overtraining. You could be hyper aroused due to like getting a bug. You know, you could get a viral bug or something and it could trigger your nervous system. Mm -hmm. or you could get environmental pollutants, you know, mercury, lead, right? That stuff could do it. But the bottom line is, okay, how am I going to take control of my day? Yeah. So I love just simple breath work. Like I, I have people do box breathing, typically two to three minutes at noon. And I ask them to think about the stress that you've had in your day up to this point. You know, for me, I'm in my office right now, right? I need to breathe deep, do a four count in, hold four count, exhale four count, hold four count, right? That's a box breath, four, mm -hmm. four, four, four. And I want them visualizing that they're releasing their stress of the morning and especially on the exhale. And then I want them to simply at the end of that, I want them to go, what am I grateful for? Mm. Simple thing, seal it yeah. with gratefulness. And then before you get home, 
And before the kids get you all jacked up from, you know, hey, you know, uh, you know, I had a bad day at school, I had a great day at school, well, you're taking me to practice. Oh yeah, you're taking me to practice. And, and then uh, I got another one that's got to go to another practice, right? Before you get all ramped up, I want you to do that work one more time on your way in the door. Hmm. Two to three minutes, quiet. And you can do, look, you can do heart math, right? You could, if you want to get fancy, you can buy a little monitor and put it on your ear and you can plug into your phone and you can do the, the app inner balance, right? Mm-hmm. You can listen to your watch that tells you it's time to breathe, which I think just blows my mind that we have to be reminded, <laughs> Yeah, you know, hey, time to breathe. Wow. I had no idea I was not breathing for the last hour and a half. Yeah, I've been right? holding my breath the whole time. It's the whole time I hold my breath. I'm a little blue, but don't worry about yeah. it. You know, I mean, it's, so my point is, uh, it's actually kind of, interesting if you think about culturally that the importance of breathing is so high that it's on wearable devices to remind you to breathe that our nervous system is so jacked up culturally that our diaphragm gets stuck we create short breaths we produce more lactic acid which then triggers more anxious state and and reduced metabolic capacity because we're not oxygenating our tissues right Mm -hmm. so don't take the breathing thing lightly as a as a lifestyle tip is my advice to your folks that are listening it's really important to have a low resting heart rate below 62 you want below 62 you want your blood pressure to be 120 over 80 down to maybe 110 over 70 maybe even 65 i'll take your diastolic but if it starts dipping way lower than that you're probably stressed out and getting dizzy on standing. And if it's going high, you're probably sympathetic dominant. Mm-hmm. So those are some quickies of understanding lifestyle. Um, is, and then on the training side, look, man, you, you know this better than me, but I've been around people training since 1980. And mm-hmm. I mean, I trained with the Cincinnati Bengals strength coach and, 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 you know, you know, I've, I've been around great strength coaches from all walks of like NFL, NHL, NBA, performance leads. And so when I watch a lot of people training, I, I, they, they, sometimes they just work way harder than for what they're, what they're trying to achieve. And then therefore, they don't know how to uh, really replenish or repair their body. So they're overtrained by training, you know, six, seven days a week. Uh, they're training two hours a day. They don't create changes in their program. So, you know, it's, you know, it's and typically like all out, all out, all out. Yeah. And, and it's so important that they get that in. So that's, that, that's my opening diatribe on lifestyle. And then the, the last one I would say is try to find something to connect to that's bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, it's really important to understand that there's, you know, commitment to trying to help in others. And right now we're in this closed in thing. It's, oh my God, do you have a mask on? Do you not have a mask on? You know, you, you got it. You don't got it. You know, in the end, I, I still say, you know, we're beings that, you know, we feel much better about ourselves when we serve and we're, and we're social and yeah. we're kind. And, and, and uh, I, I'm telling you, those are the big ones for me on lifestyle, man. Get yeah. sleep, breathe deep, be kind, be grateful don't overtrain. And then we're going to get into diet, but I want you to respond to what I've said. Cause I know you're going to have a million questions. Cause you, every time I, you, you do, <laughs> you, you know, I already know it's like, okay, I'm going to get slaughtered here with questions. 
Well, it's actually interesting that the final thing that you mentioned there was um, getting out, linking to something a little bit bigger than yourself, because on my wall, I actually have painted. So I just finished this studio and office in my, in my new house, my basement. And on it, it says strength is for service, not status. Right. So like, that's something that, that, that I live by. And when I train clients, athletes, it doesn't matter what level you're at stage of life you're at. Um, that's really what we're, we're here for is actually whether you're a parent and you're serving your children or you're a caregiver or whatever it is, right. You're, You're working for something. And if you can, think outside of just, you know, I need to make money for me so I can do things right. There's something always, always bigger in there. So, um, yeah, so I love that. Um, with regards to the, the, the hyper arousal piece. So, um, cause I'm always, and I know in part number one, we talked about cortisol a little bit and we're going to talk about it a bit more, um, sure. today, but, really with balancing out that sympathetic parasympathetic nervous system, that give and take, because there should always be undulations, right? There's always this tug of war between the two pushing back and forth and having that balance. So being able to get to that sympathetic state is a good thing. It's not a bad thing to, to have that. It's when you stay at that point for too long, that's right. What are some of the negative side effects from when we're looking specifically at uh, the the blood and metabolic processes? What are some of the negatives to staying in that sympathetic state for too long? Sure. So, I mean, that, that's a great question, by the way. Um, so when you're in a sympathetic state, the first thing to remember is a lot of adrenaline and noradrenaline. And that means you're going to push your adrenal glands harder. So you're going to create nutrient deficiencies. You know, things like vitamin C get used up quicker, B vitamins get used up quicker. You start to use up your amino acids that make your neurotransmitters because you're in that chronic hypersensitive state. And remember, it's really simple. If people stay in that hyperarousal state long enough, they get depressed, right? They burn mm-hmm. through being anxious and, and using too much adrenaline and noradrenaline, and then they go to not having enough, right? So the term I always talk to people about is, are you tired and wired or tired and flat? Mm. right so tired and wired is in you're in this progression of excessive hyper arousal you're you're kind of fatigued because you're pushing your body the whole time but your your brain is still kind of on fire from that neurologic signaling of all that excitatory chemistry and eventually those neurochemical beds run dry and then a person feels globally fatigued and down and, and remember, there's some genetic predisposition to this, how much people use caffeine and stimulants, how much they use nicotine, mm-hmm. what sort of life stressors have hit them, how many things in a row hit them that traumatized them, yeah. right? There's a lot of times I've, I've had people come in over the years in my practice. I mean, I remember one person that was, yeah, my, my mother died. Four months later, my father died. Another two months later, my brother died. Mm-hmm. And then our business failed. And then, you know, there's people that experience multiple tragedies or traumas that are that really push towards accelerating all this, right? And then there's other folks that have a lot more wear and tear capacity. Their 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 metabolic reserve is greater, and they can take you know incredible amounts of stress before they break. If they mm-hmm. break, some people just never break. They're just you know tough tough as shoe leather, right? 
Yeah. So, which, which is, which is fine, but that's not the average person. That's why anti-anxiety drugs and antidepressants are the tops, you know, some of the top utilized drugs in yeah. North America uh, is because most people, we end up pushing ourselves to the point of that break instead of, well, what adaptogen should I use or what nutrient should I use to keep my body strong and resilient, even though I'm faced with the fact, look, I, you know, I, I, I can just, I'm personal, you know, I, I you know, I don't mind sharing personal uh, things. Like I had in one year, my, you know, my brother who was at 1.476 pounds, we got him down to 280. He gets a bronchial recluse spider bite. You know, multiple rounds of issues happen. Well, finally, you know, he um, he succumbs to it. He actually hits his leg. He has invasive cellulitis. He ends up needing to be, you know, you know, hospitalized and all this mm -hmm. kind of stuff. At the exact same time that was going on, my dad was going through what was called an adenocarcinoma of the of the uh, duodenum, and they had to do a Whipple surgery on him, which is like the the head of your stomach, a third of your stomach that uh, the all of your duodenum and the head of your pancreas get taken off. And my mother was in a home with dementia. Hmm. So yeah. these things happen and it's not like I could wish it away. Yeah. But I had to be strong uh, because my family demanded that I was strong and, and I was prepared for that. And I think that's the concept I want people to get across is that it's not about whether or not you're anxious and nervous because people identify that with being weak. And I think it's unfortunate that they, you know, Oh, I don't have anxiety. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, you probably you're anxious and you're probably worried about some stuff. Yeah. It's more about understanding I'm going to have this stress in my life or it's coming at some point. I know very few people that don't get hit with some big wallop of stress Mm -hmm. And it's how are you prepared? Now, what kind of lab value start to shift in those kind of situations, right? We talked about B vitamins and C. Yeah. And remember, when your stress goes up and your cortisol goes up, typically your blood sugar will start to go up. So one of the things that start to go up when you're having trouble sleeping is your morning glucoses will start to trend up a little bit. And your fasting insulin will start to come up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then we'll see changes in your electrolytes because as your glucose goes up and your insulin goes up, you spill magnesium and potassium out of your body and retain sodium in order to help your adrenal glands keep pumping out stress hormones. Mm -hmm. So, so right away, you can look at your electrolytes and go, well, where am I? Am I cramping more? My legs feel like they got less power. You know, you know, I feel, do my legs feel heavy going up a flight of steps? Uh, you know, where am I? Am I breathing easy? You know, is my muscles cramping? Mag and potassium, that's a big deal. Um, and then, of course, when, when you're under that type of sustained stress and sleep and your blood sugars are going up, guess what happens? Your lipids get, you start getting, making bad lipids. You make more LDL cholesterol. Yeah. So a lot of times people go, oh, it's genetic. Eh, not probably not. You know, mm -hmm. probably not. It's probably more like, uh, you know, your life has really driven this towards this expression of bad actor lipids in your body, which happens as soon as you start getting more sympathetic dominant, you get more bad actor lipids. The last thing that happens that's really important is you can start to see your immune system wear down. So things mm -hmm. like your neutrophils, which are needed as a recruitment uh, piece for when you get sick, those start to drop out. And mm -hmm. then you make less killer cells and natural killer cells and you get more allergic and those are just a few little simple things that start to cascade out of control 
as uh, we allow for this hyperarousal uh, to take place. So the, the electrolytes are big, um, really big, uh, mm-hmm. as are things like immune shifts. That's why people that are under stress get sick. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Bottom line. And guess what? When a diabetic gets sick, guess what happens to their blood sugar? It goes up. Excellent. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. Yeah. And so that actually brings up a really interesting question because um, when we're talking about the the neurotransmitter depletion, right? Like the stores of neurotransmitters disappear and you hit that bottom. And I liked what you said about, you know, are you um, tired and wired or tired and flat? Like how is the actual feeling there? And I like that, 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 um, that kind of idea. So do you mind just expanding a little bit on, um, the the neurotransmitters that deplete during this state of hyperarousal, like extended hyperarousal, sure. and then how can we get? So if you have somebody who is at that state, like where they're they're tired, they're flat, like they're just it's everything's gone out of them. They feel as though you know, as we talked about last week, that they they need sugar or carbs, or they need caffeine just to get going and keep going. What can that person do to get back on track with regards to um, evening out and regaining those neurotransmitters again? Great. Once again, this is great. And it's, I'll try to make this as linear as I can um, because it's, it, it kind of splatters on the wall really (laughs) quick. Uh, But, but um, so the first thing that happens when people get under stress is they deplete their serotonin pool. And when they just deplete their serotonin pool, what they'll feel, and I'm just going to kind of give you the feelings that people have with these neurotransmitters. So if you're listening, yeah. you can got to get a feel like what's going on. So serotonin is the feel good neurotransmitter. I'm satisfied. I feel well. I'm at ease. And when you have too much or too little serotonin, that's where you get into things like IBS. It's not just what happens in your brain. You mm-hmm. start to get you know, irritable bowel symptoms, right? So too much serotonin in the gut leads to loose stools and not enough serotonin in the gut leads to constipation. Um, and so, but, but when you have not, when you don't have enough serotonin, the next thing that happens is you can't make melatonin. Mm. And so the very thing that starts to happen, and this is what you'll feel, wow, I'm craving sweets and starches after 5 p.m. I want I want potato chips. I want crack. I want a cookie. Hey man, I'm paleo other than seven o'clock at night. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Hey, nothing refined. And so I need to eat that ice cream at 7 PM. Yeah. Uh, you know, with the cookie dough in it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's one of those deals where you, and, and what I find is people think they're weak because they can't maintain their vigilance or their desire for their lifestyle is I don't want to eat that, but guess what? My brain's saying, Take it on. Yeah. Drink, eat that chocolate covered pretzel. Yeah. So, so there's food cravings. Uh, it used to be called night eating syndrome. And that was associated with spikes in cortisol. But really, what's happening is, is you're losing serotonin and you want comfort food. Yeah. Right. The next phase to it is, is that you don't make enough melatonin. So either you have trouble getting to sleep or you have trouble staying asleep. Hmm. So you could, you could say, hey, and then I get home at seven o'clock and I could lay down on that couch, but at 10 o'clock I pop and I'm wide open. I can't get to sleep. Yeah. So I'll nap, you know, eight o'clock you're there on the couch kind of doing this. 
Yeah. And then all yep. of a sudden you wake up when it's time to go to bed and you can't go down. Yeah. That's kind of an inverted cortisol pattern. I'm sure you've had your clients tell you that because it's fairly common for people to, to say, yeah. wow, my sleep pattern's wacko, man. I mean, I don't understand it. Right. Yep. Yeah. So now we're going to kind of layer in the influences of that. Right. So if, so the next piece is, is that as you start to deplete your serotonin pool, your body leans more heavy on dopamine. Hmm. Dopamine helps you to focus and it's involved in what's called the reward cascade. So the reward cascade was discovered for alcoholism, right? If you've got the reward genes, uh, meaning D2 allele one gene SNPs, they're called the alcohol genes, but they really are the reward genes. When you get under stress and you're not, and say, say you've got a couple different issues. You're low in B vitamins. So you're not methylating to mm -hmm. make your neurotransmitters. You can't make your dopamine because you're not, you, you, you have a deficiency in B vitamins, or there is a very important gene SNP called the MTHFR gene SNP, methyl tetrahydrofolate reductase gene SNP. Probably have talked about it in the past. Mm -hmm. That gene SNP, if you've got that and you're under a lot of stress, all of a sudden you can't keep up with that dopamine. Now, the reward just isn't, oh, I want a cookie to feel better. It's, oh, I just ate one cookie and two is going to feel better. And you know what? I don't really like the number two. I'm more of an odd numbers guy. I'm going to go for three. Three's my favorite number. And there you go. Three's my favorite number. And you know what? Cookies. I'm still, and, and here's the thing. Six is a multiple of three. So even uh, though it's an even number, I can have six of them. And, and, and that's what starts 33. to happen. 33 there's two threes see, see you're getting it see that's what happens right yeah so so people will start to rationalize and before they know it they've eaten through a row of cookies or they ate a whole bag of chips and the and and this, the hallmark trait of this is eating past being full to mm. calm their brain down so they're literally saying, man, this cookie doesn't even feel good after number nine. I really, I feel kind of full, but my brain is saying, take it, take the last one. Right. Yeah. And that's low, that's, that's low dopamine. And that's all the hedonic urges get triggered by low dopamine. So the hedonic urges of excess appetite, alcohol, shopping, smoking, gambling, sex. So it's, it's the addictive reward behaviors that you, when you do it, you go, oh my God, I feel, I, I, I'm better now. Mm -hmm. Even though it's kind of short-lived. I, I mean, I find it with like anorexics when I've worked with them, they, you know, anorexic bulimics will cause that reward hit by making themselves throw up. Yeah. yeah. So, so my point is, dopamine usually depletes after serotonin. So when I'm working with people, even if they're flat out fatigued and flat on the ground, which we're going to get to next on, a, mm -hmm. on adrenaline and noradrenaline and then histamine too, uh, when they're flat on the ground, I always start with the calming neurotransmitters of serotonin and GABA. Mm -hmm. GABA is the other neurotransmitter that's calming. 30% of insomniacs have low GABAergic function. So GABA is another um, inhibitory neurochemical that your body needs to make. 
-hmm. So start on the calming things first. Make sure that the person is saying, yes, I'm craving less, I feel better, uh, before you would go to dopamine. And then you start to work on dopamine and reward because that's what helps people with their focus. If you're training mm -hmm. or you're playing a sport, you want your dopamine on point because, you know, you're going to see the ball quicker. You're going to act on it faster. You're going to hit it in the right spot or whatever it is you're doing. If it's a hockey puck or a basketball, whatever it is, yeah. that dopamine gives you that laser focus. Mm. Now, now you need adrenaline. Adrenaline or adrenaline get your heart rate up and allow you to respond to Im either impending doom or the fact that you're trying to lift the weight off the ground or the fact that you're in a competition mm -hmm. or maybe you're just in a 12 hour day at work and you haven't had a break and people are just like you're you're in a successful business and it's just nonstop or maybe you're in a, a business that's failing and you're worrying and you're and the adrenaline's just got you going. And so you start to get anxious and nervous mm -hmm. because of the excess adrenaline that's re being released. Mm -hmm. Now, as that adrenaline drops out, now you start to feel like, oh, I'm pushing a thought through jello. Yeah. I have no electrical capacity is what it feels like in my brain. I just, you know, I have, I have no focus and concentration or ability to sustain effort. Yeah. Tired and flat. And, and of course, when you look at modern drug therapy, we'll see uh, antidepressants have what's called SNRIs and SSRIs combined together. Serotonin reuptake inhibitors and so SSRIs and mm -hmm. then SN is, are, are the noradrenaline reuptake inhibitors. Mm -hmm. So what you're doing is I don't have very much of these chemicals left. I'm going to give you this drug that's going to keep that little bit of chemical right in that synaptic gap, right? Here's the presynaptic nerve. Here's mm -hmm. the postsynaptic nerve. And I got to get chemicals in the middle and I don't have many chemicals left. I'm going to give a drug that makes those chemicals sit around in there and keep banging on that receptor longer. Mm -hmm. That's how those drugs work. They don't build your serotonin pool back up or your yeah. noradrenaline pool or your dopamine pool back up. Mm -hmm. But they do help you to get over symptoms. And sometimes people in dramatic situations, yeah, they need medication. Yeah, I find in many cases, after people have done that, they kind of feel kind of lost and wasted, tired and tired and wired or tired and flat. Well, then mm -hmm. what's the strategy that you can do to kind of bring you out of that? Now, yeah. there's other neurochemicals that are important to understand. And I'll just do them very, this is in a very passing way because, you know, shoot, we could be talking all day about neurochemicals, man. They're, they're freaking exciting. See what I'm saying? I'm already yeah. excited from it. I love it. It's crazy. So uh, histamine. Histamine is a neurotransmitter. So when people take antihistamines to go to bed yeah. and it makes them go to sleep, that makes me think, wow, why are you so histaminergic? Why are you making so much histamine? Now, it turns out when you're under stress, your gut gets leaky and you start to also make more. So cortisol will directly make your gut more permeable, hmm. but you also, between making more something called corticotropin releasing hormone, which helps you to release cortisol, yep. it tells your mast cells to release histamine. Hmm. So you make more histamine. And now my brain is on fire and buzzing. And one of my one of the most dramatic things I ever saw 
was that a lady come to me saying, I can't sleep. I haven't slept in 15 years. I sleep three hours a night. I can't get to sleep. I've tried everything, every drug, you name it, every natural product. I've tried everything. And I was like, well, why'd you come to me if you've tried everything already? I mean, how am I going to know anything? Yeah. And I, and I said, interesting. And uh, so I did a little evaluation on her. And I said, you know, what, what do you eat before you go to bed at night? Because, you know, a lot of people eat before they go to bed. Yeah. So I have a ham sandwich every night. Really? All right. Ham sandwich. I'm not opposed to any kind of meat. I'm just like, whatever you like ham, have the ham. I'm not make sure it's uncured. Watch the phosphates, all that stuff. Totally yeah. into it. That's what I recommend to people. Just so people listening realize I'm, I'm fairly aware on food additives. The point being is that I did a food panel on her, a food allergy and sensitivity panel on her. Her number one food allergy was ham. Yeah. And so she would eat that sandwich at night, trigger all that histamine, and her brain was like, woohoo. Yeah. And so, so that's histamine. And 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 so and histamine is an excitatory neurotransmitter. And of course, glutamate is excitatory. If you're if anybody's read Russell Blaylock's book, Excitotoxins, they talk about glutamate. When you excessively have excitatory chemistry, you upregulate glutamate receptor activity. And that's associated with neurodegeneration, meaning that if you keep excitatory and keep popping that glutamate receptors, you're going to burn out your nervous system. Mm -hmm. So, and then, the, you know, the other one, of course, is phenylethylamine, which is what makes people perseverate. So they keep thinking, I can't stop. I can't stop. What am I doing now? Why am I telling you these things? There's here, it turns out there's different nutrients you can take to clean up each one of these situations. And so mm -hmm. where do I start? Right. Um, so that's kind of a quick rundown on the neurotransmitters uh, you know um any anything there before we i I'm, always get worried when i see your brow kind of go on me it's like you're thinking man and i'm like okay i got a question coming up i actually had to turn off my mic so i could flip the page on the notebook that i'm writing in just so <laughs> you know the amount of notes that i'm taking right now um Good. I, I actually i, I love this because i like the the simplicity with which you broke down kind of the steps, the cascading effect as the neurotransmitters begin to become depleted and some of the effects, the things that you're going to, to feel. Right. Um, I'm actually just right now, it's not a question. It's just, I'm really excited to hear. Okay. So at each stage, how can I build up the serotonin stores, uh, GABA stores yeah. and, understanding that there's always going to be things that I can take from a supplement standpoint, right? right. Like GABA, you can take as a supplement. I, um, not right. that you can necessarily, I don't know if you can take serotonins directly, but no, you can't, but there's things you do to build it up. Sure. Yeah. And so I'm really excited just to find Okay. So if you're at each of these stages, so if you're kind of at the point where serotonin started to drop and you're starting to see some of the effects, right. what can you do? And then same thing with like, so that's exactly. what I'm waiting. That's why my eyes are out. Like, are we stopped? Don't stop. Like, let's keep going. <laughs> Cool. Let's go. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. No. So, so um, here's the thing. First of all, if you're eating a lot of sugar and eating a lot of carbs and your blood sugar spiking and dropping, you're going to be triggering a bunch of excitatory chemistry in your body. So, and you hear that with people that are hypoglycemic, right? They, they say, Oh my God, I'm getting sweaty. I'm getting clammy. My heart rate goes up when my, when my blood pressure, my, my blood sugars are dropping. Mm -hmm. So you got to try to eat uh, what I, what I would say is just, just remember the, the universal rule, learn how to eat vegetables. Yeah. Vegetables are forgive a lot of other stuff. Yeah. And, and people just don't do that. I mean, just straight up. I mean, I, 
I don't care. I, I can argue all day, every, every diet. I mean, I got three dietitians on my staff full-time, 70 years experience between the three of them. Mm-hmm. And they look at all the literature. We can, we can argue like crazy in every direction, but what we can't argue is the value of a vegetable. Yeah. So, so anyway, so that's important. Um, getting enough sleep or trying to work towards sleep. Now, if sleep's part of the problem, then you're not going to get your neurotransmitters to, to fill back up because guess yeah. what? When you sleep is when your brain is supposed to repair. Yeah. And when you don't sleep, you don't get repair. And, and so, so here's what we do. Uh, so the first step is, is clean your diet up. You make sure you're not getting in, you know, excessive carbs, ex- excessive sugars. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll get into the issues around meat when we talk about, you know, diet a little bit, because I do want to make sure that, you know, people aren't getting get out of jail free cards on that. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> And then here's the deal. Serotonin, here's what you can do. 5-HTP or tryptophan are the precursors to serotonin. Now, here's the issue. If I'm chronically inflamed, right? I'm 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 not sleeping enough. I'm training hard. I'm chronically upregulating my inflammation signaling. Mm -hmm. Many times you will take 5-HTP or tryptophan and it won't make serotonin. Hmm. Instead, it goes down another pathway. It makes quinolinic acid and kainurinic acid, which are uh, you know, basically organic acids that lead to more neurodegenerative disorders. So what do you need to do for that? You gotta make sure you got a good B vitamin on board with, with folate and B vitamins, because that's the weak link in making those uh, that tryptophan move to 5-HTP and then 5-HTP turn into 5-hydroxytryptamine, which is serotonin. Mm. So, so, so that's a biggie. And so what I usually start with to help people who are just like, Hey, I'm stressed. I'm anxious. I'm eating too much. I like the compound. Uh, there's two, I like a lot, but Relora, R-E-L-O-R-A, is a magnolia and philodendron extract mm-hmm. that has been reported in human studies. And I did the early human studies in it. So I'm, I'm very familiar. I have nothing to do with Relora. I make no money when Relora sells. My mentor invented it. And I offered up my clinic to do a 700 person trial mm-hmm. of giving it to people to see how they would respond. And then did a 50 person trial where we drew their cortisol levels to see what would happen with their cortisol and DHEA when they took it. And lo and behold, and this is, oh my God, 20 years ago at this point when we did that. Um, but what was clear was that, oh my God, people are, are craving less, feeling more calm, not as agitated. And, and, and their lab markers was their cortisol went down about 38%. Their DHEA pools went back to normal, going up to about 228% on average. So I really like Relora when people are just like, hey, I'm, I'm feeling stressed, I'm craving, um, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm a little agitated. Yeah. I love that ingredient. Um, awesome. If you're perseverating, I'm making lists, man. I got a list yeah. and I got a list for my list. Yeah. And the list that I've got for my list, I just added stuff onto it, right? I'm, I'm there. I've, I've got that Rolodex rolling when I go to bed at night. I just can't turn that off. That, you know, I, I know you don't do that, but if you did. I've got a list. The I first know thing on my do. to-do list is to make a list. 
you know what? Not actually, but you even, but, but honestly, you actually even wear your hat. So I, the way you wear your hat is so perfect for having it backwards that I know you have to make less. You're you're well, like I got a video camera. I can see myself, so I had to center <laughs> it. I can't look I, like I can't look like a weirdo here having it sideways. You're just doubting, but but, but I'm just going to wear it a little bit off just so it's okay. Just so now, but it's going to bother you the rest of the interview. Yeah. Don't do it, man. Don't do it. Yeah. My point is, but people like you and me, because I'm I'm like you, I, I'm into precision. I want to do things right. I have lists that I make. We tend to make more phenylethylamine in our brain. Hmm. And, and what really dials that down is theanine. So theanine, an extract from tea, uh, actually, you know, used in Japan for years, no uh, observed adverse event limit with theanine. It's for people that perseverate. So it works really well for anxiety, really helps to calm the nervous system down. Because once I stop perseverating, my neurochemical pools can start to build up again, mm -hmm. right? You can be high efficiency note taker person with plans and what you're doing without it disrupting you. That's what I try to get people to understand. It's like, I'm not trying to change who you are. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, I don't want it to damage you. Cause a lot of times what happens is, is people don't do anything to counterbalance the fact that they're, you know, a perseveration person yeah, or that because they're under a lot of stress and they're craving foods, they don't really think of that yet. Mm -hmm. But then the next step is, Oh my God, I'm feeling anxious. And then the next step is, Oh my God, I'm having panic. Yeah. Or the next step is I'm going from anxious to, oh my gosh, I'm feeling flat. I've lost my zest. I have the whatever syndrome. Hey, you want to go to Paris? I'll pay for round trip tickets. First class. Uh, no, I mean, I may not have to pack something and yeah. got to get on a plane and then you got to eat French food. And uh, no, nah, I think I'll pass that, right? People get into that whateverness because they're flat. So now we understand that you need B vitamins and maybe take some 5-HTP to build up your serotonin pool if you want to do that. However, mixed results initially, usually added in a little later, but start with something like relora, theanine, a couple other ones, holy basil, really good is another thing that calms down your nervous system. Those are three biggies. And then you mentioned, of course, that you could add some GABA in if you're thinking like, hey, I'm having trouble sleeping, take some glycine, take some GABA. And now I've got some GAB on board and people can try it and just go, hey, does this make me feel better or not? It doesn't? All right, let me try something different. That's mm -hmm. the way I do it with people. Nice. I mean, I've, usually I can tell by the, what they're telling me. I know pretty much what neurotransmitters I need to, you know, I need to work on. The next thing is what do you do with dopamine, right? Uh, and so, you know, with dopamine, um, I, you know, I, you have to watch because a lot of times people will go right to dopamine and use the amino acids, phenylalanine yeah. and tyrosine. And the only, cause that makes dopamine, but the problem is it can also make adrenaline. Mm. So if you're tired and wired and you're, and you're not focusing good and you take tyrosine and, and, and uh, phenyl, uh, uh, phenylalanine, it could push you to become more agitated. So mm -hmm. I always warn people, hey, when you're trying to go for the adrenaline, do your calming neurochemicals first. Yeah. Now you wanna do dopamine. All right, so dopamine is fairly straightforward. Uh, tyrosine helps, uh, but at the same time, you can use things like Tea Acrin, T-E-A, 
Crin, tea at Crin. Uh, it's another tea extract that is an analog of caffeine. So it hmm. looks like caffeine, but it doesn't overstimulate you. You don't get sympathetic drive from it like caffeine. You don't get habituation like caffeine because you habituate to caffeine, right? Mm -hmm. 200 is good. Oh, no, no, I need 400. Oh, 400 is good. No, 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 I need 600. Before you know it, you're drinking eight monsters a day, you yeah. know, triples, not the doubles. They've, now we're in the keg mode, right? And people are just like, oh, I need more. Yeah. And then eventually when they take in so much caffeine, they end up getting tired from it. And I know yeah. you've had people that have, have complained that to you as well. It has the inverse effect. So so the point is, is you're going to go after dopamine with things like T-Crin. Macuna is an herb that is high in L-Dopa. You want those B vitamins on board. And if especially if people have a, a that MTHFR gene snip and it's thought that, you know, anywhere from 11 to 40% of the population has at least one of those gene snips. If you're an MTHFR person and you don't have enough methylfolate on board, you are not going to make enough dopamine. That's why mm. they give it to alcoholics uh, to actually help them reduce their craving. Mm. They give them methylfolate to help them make dopamine. Mm. So, so methyl, so you think of the B vitamins, you think of T-crin, you think of macuna, and you think of tyrosine as your main drivers for dopamine. Okay. Now, Probably one of the best things you can do for people that are tired and flat. Uh, I do and tired and flat and say, let's say emotionally flat. So kind of like a light depression. There's a lot of people walking around with a light kind of functional depression, right? Yeah. I love S-adenosylmethionine, SAMe. It's actually used in Europe as an antidepressant. Hmm. It's a nutrient here. And I can give people SAMe, and what it does is it builds their serotonin pools and it builds their dopamine and adrenaline pools. So it builds all of the pools. However, some people, if they're tired and wired and they take SAMe, they feel agitated. Hmm. But for the majority of people, I can get their mood and spirit lifted, giving them SAMe. It's easy. Yeah. So. Those are the kind of the key nutrients that you can use. Um, you can use um, another amino acid to help lower histamine, N-acetylcysteine, so NAC, used yeah. a lot. But you know, it, it is one of those things where it's in addition to eating the right lifestyle and getting people to breathe, getting them to maybe do some, you know, little bit of contemplative exercise like yoga or something where they're calming their nervous system down. I encourage people to, hey, if you're in a club and it's got a sauna, go in the sauna. Relax, mm -hmm. go in the steam room, you know, you know, really work at dialing your nervous system back down. And then you use these nutrients to get you back to ground zero. And once you're at ground zero and, and let, if you're under sustained stress and you're just like, Hey man, I need to take relora theanine. Cause I am like working 14 hour days. I'm going crazy. I, I gotta have it. Yeah. Fine. Stay on it. But I like to get people to graduate to using adaptogens which are, are things like ginseng, you know, American ginseng, Korean ginseng, Manchurian ginseng, Tibetan ginseng, you know, Siberian, all, all those different types of ginseng. Ashwagandha, real yeah. popular right now. Everybody's talking about ashwagandha. Um, but you're using adaptogens because you're at a point of strength now. Like I'm no longer out of balance or if I have maybe a slight imbalance and I'm wanting to take a, a, a plant that 
since the beginning of recording medical history, I probably said this the first talk that, that we had, since the beginning of all recorded medical history, the most valuable plant in every culture is the plant that helped people cope with stress. Mm -hmm. Think of that. Yeah. Every culture across the world, since they could write down their medical tradition. Yeah. So the most revered herb in Chinese medicine, right? You know, there's a couple, ginseng and cordyceps. Chinese caterpillar fungus. They're the most revered herbs. Ashwagandha, revered, right? Yeah. American ginseng, revered. Rhodiola, same thing. Siberian and Tibetan, revered herb. And it's because it kept people resilient to stress. That's the difference between how traditional cultures, and then what I would say, you know, integrative medicine is just the reinvention of you know, Chinese Ayurvedic medicine into a Western thought process. It's just, yeah. you know, it just, it's the same process. It's like, how do I keep you in balance so you don't fall off the ledge and get sick? Yeah. And so adaptogens are really important for that. Yeah. Yeah. I find that there's just so many people and you see a ton of them. I, I see them, uh, any trainer, strength coach, rehab specialist, always looking for the simplest solution and yet the simplest solution where they have to do the least amount of work. Right. And so there's a lot of people who go into, who will take well what we, who will take what we just talked about and will think to themselves, okay, so all I have to do is take all of these supplements and I'm good. Right. That's all. But I like what you finished off with there, where you talked about like integrating once you're at kind of that ground zero, like you have to do the breathing, you have to do, uh, maybe it's yoga, you have to watch the nutrition side of things with regards to the timing of carbs and how many carbs and that whole gamut. And then you take these, they are supplemental to the lifestyle changes, the diet changes that you're already making, right? Like that's, 100%. that's you why they're named so well, that's why they're named what they are. But people just want to. Well, that's it, man. You got it. Yeah. You, you, you can't escape change. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have people come into me. I mean, I don't even. I'll be honest with you. The way I run my practice now, my my massive practice in Ohio, which had personal training, physical therapy, Hydromax water therapy. We had the first Hydromax water treadmill in the state of Ohio. Mm. This is like 18 years ago, right? I mean, yeah. we were in it and we you know we had imaging and we could image your heart and we got all that stuff and then we had the integrative care and acupuncture and massage and in the end now when i practice so we had a big practice a lot of advertising now i'm in a different situation and i only accept people on personal referral when i do that because i want somebody who knew the work they had to do to get better yeah to refer somebody to me I don't want somebody to come in and think that I'm the magic man with some, some pills and herbs and I'm going to cut a couple chickens heads off and swirl them around the room and they're going to get better. Right. I'm like, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm all about understanding one simple phrase it's work, but it's worth it. Yeah. Love it. it it's, it's that simple. If you want to come on this journey with me, I'm going to, we're going to get after it together and I'll do my best. You do your best. I'll understand when you fall down, you understand when I fall down, Let's make sure we just work this road together and get you where you need to be. And that, and honestly, I've, I've done that since I've been out in California 
I, I mean, I could be open 12 days a week. It, it's yeah. like people eat it up when they know you're that invested in them. Mm -hmm. And that it's not just, uh, you know, 20 people in the waiting room waiting to get a 15 minute talk, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I love the way you said it. Couldn't have said it any better myself. Uh, and I actually think this is a great place looking at the other topics that we're going to talk about. It's a great place to end part number two, and we will pick it back up in part number three. State of the Industry Podcast. I'll be back.